Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me as always is my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. That's right. It feels like it's been a couple weeks since we talked, but that's because we did a mini last week where I uh, previewed the new heroes that we're going to detail uh, on this episode. Because, uh, you know, Intelligent Systems threw a bit of a surprise at us with the Ascended Leg Yearn uh, coming our way. I mean, we knew she was coming eventually, but the fact that they put um, Thor and not Ascended Leg Yearn as the boss of the last uh, Tempest Trial, we were not expecting her right away. So No, but we have her, and we have her banner to discuss uh, she's so important that everybody else on the banner is uh, thrown into the new heroes of the title. So let's look at the banners. Uh, right now we've got weekly revival banner 30 running. Heroes with rally skills going to the 24th. In the moment, special heroes revival. That's uh, the ninja theme going until the 2nd of December. Ninja training, that new ninja banner running until the 4th. And finally, new heroes and ascended legion running until the 6th. How did you do, good sir, in your uh, in your travels of summoning? Well, uh, this is one of the ones where I wasn't uh, looking for much. Uh, Ascended Lingard was pretty much my only target, uh, not knowing many of the characters here. Uh, so I focused on Colorless, and before long, managed to get her during my third ticket. Um, I don't think she was the free one, but she was like another Colorless in that ring. Um and I hopped out after that, after finishing out my tickets. So not much for me in this one because, you know, I've been trying to summon less and got leg yarn quick enough that it's like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Can't argue with those results. Uh, I was in the same boat. I was kind of looking for Ascended Leg Yarn. I, I feel like uh, these are special enough heroes that I kind of want to add them to my roster. And uh, I did not have similar luck to you. I kind of had to go all in. I didn't buy orbs, but I did have to use a pretty good chunk of my uh, collection. But I did manage to summon uh, Bernadetta, a five-star Bernadetta. Didn't have her yet. Uh, I got a four-star upgrade for Faye. Didn't have her either. And finally, around the... Just as I was heading to a spark, I did get an Ascended Legion. And I have not completed the summoning to get the spark. So now I'm kind of thinking to myself, similar to you, I have no real attachment to these other heroes, and I'm kind of leaning towards just sparking another leg urine. So, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely something to be said about uh, getting rid of your bane so you'll just have double boons. Yeah, I'm, I'll think about it, and if anybody uh, listening has any thoughts, certainly hit us up in Discord, let me know if there's another hero, and, and we're going to talk about the new heroes, so maybe there's there's something there too. My collector's mentality, I would probably get one of the other heroes just to have them and one less to worry about later, but yeah, I can understand, you know, you tend to play it more of a, you go for characters you know and like, so Legyarn, uh boosting her makes more sense for you. Yeah, it, but, I, I understand both sides. Like, if there was another hero, even from a I like that design standpoint, I could probably mm-hmm. go there. But like, they are, they are like the more uh, traditional Fire Emblem uh, character. You know, the soldier type. They don't really jump out as I, unique looks, right? 
You know, one of the characters I thought was a different character until they put her name up on the thing. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Yes, I saw that but reference in the we notes. Did, we did get the end of book five with this banner. Uh, so I, I felt it was better than most endings. Didn't feel as rushed as they usually do, since Fafnir being kind of posed as the big bad was defeated earlier. And this is kind of a wrap up. I mean, there was, you know, the reveal that Fafnir wasn't actually the big bad, but it felt more felt more logical closing to it, if that makes sense. Although there were still, of course, some loose ends that weren't fully sufficiently or fully explained for me. Yeah, I finished it as well. And, and honestly, it's been a while since I've been engaged enough to check the story out week or the day it is oh. released. I'll admit, I only looked at it because you mentioned in the notes <laughs> to want to discuss it. So, I mean, really, we I mean, should, right? Like, it's it's new content. Technically, it's, uh, we should. It's part of the game. It's just this one, you know, was cool at the beginning, but it kind of lost me early, fairly early on and, you know, uh, didn't really drag me back as the twists and turns were revealed, you know? Yeah, so right. essentially, like, the ending is basically, you deal with uh, a Fafnir who is someone who's been pulled into the world by uh, the big bad, who... Uh, Atri, Atri, or whatever, Atri. yeah. Thank she you. created a facsimile of uh, the summoner's weapon mm -hmm. and was summoning bad copies, false copies, or whatever, because they usually came through not even as proper copies of what of the characters from the other worlds or something about the transition broke them. I don't know exactly. Yeah. Whether it's like making copies or it's, you know, destroying people from other worlds and turning them into husks. Yeah. It's, so. it's weird. Like she seems to be setting up, um, like these dummy, uh, uh, Kings and Queens so that she can run, um, the um, world. I mean, Based on the way this one was written, it was um, she wasn't even intending Fafnir to become a king. He was just a bad copy or a poor copy. Um, I think what we found out about Odor being the children of people who rebelled against the previous king, Regan's parents, um, I think that kind of threw a twist in her plans because we found out that Atri has been around since the uh, founding of Nivellier thousands of years ago. She's a mortal who's been able to transfer bodies, um, which is one of the things I felt they didn't fully explain. Is it like a long, drawn-out ritual she has to do, or can she do it in a flash? Because if she can do it in a flash, how do we know she's actually dead and didn't just transfer herself into Regan or um, Dagger or even Sharena? Well, yeah. considering we didn't get like a post credit where she is approached by Loki or Thor, like that seems to be the common thread. Yeah, we for we these got books. a pre credit where she or a mid credit where she was approached by Loki. Oh, yeah. Wait, so we got they yes. know each other. Yeah. Before she died. Looking for Loki's blessing in what she was doing, you know. And Loki was just so. like, yeah, mm, you're whatever. <laughs> she didn't <laughs> she didn't seem to care. Either Either with what Loki and them have said in the past with the books that tell the future, either she know, knew that Atri was going to get killed here, and it's like, sure, you can have it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're not going to survive. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there was a, there was a, kind of a subplot about, like, the crown that's placed. Like, it, it makes everybody, like, it's a cursed crown, 
and it makes people crazy unless yeah. they're a direct descendant. I, I cremate it, and yeah, if they're not a direct descendant, they go crazy. Uh, she points out that Aitree herself was legendary heroes throughout the year of Nidavellir. I don't know if she was actually like taking over as the actual descendants or was just heroes that helped out the descendants. But yeah, she was a very twisted, horrible person. Yeah, it it kind of fit like in terms of like, as you said, it, it didn't feel as rushed and it felt like a better ending because I think they did find a story they could tell in not not five snippets of dialogue but but really just two like the way they don't the way they kind of spread the story in a chapter like they have five battles but really there's mm-hmm. only two of those battles that have like the the deep story you know and i mean this this chapter they actually did decent story each one but yeah the main ones were really the final one and maybe the first one yeah and I felt like it. They did stick the landing. I I think you're right. Like the middle of the story was a little like, where are we going with this? But I think where they where they got at the end worked really well. I think the only issue I had with the ending was kind of there was this awkwardness where you bring in a new character uh, like Fjorm, like uh, like Regan and stuff, and the story kind of dictates Reagan's going to stay behind lead and, and whatnot. But like from a player perspective, you know, intelligence systems knows like they like to keep those characters with the hero roster, like with Asker. And there was this weirdness where she's like, Oh, I don't want to go, but I guess I have to. So I'm going to stay here, but visit me. And then I think it was dogger who came in dagger. Yeah. She came in and like, however. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, Oh, well I can watch the country while you're gone i could rule over in your stead and i thought are they setting up another villain she didn't seem like a villain but it seemed like a really odd way to be like you don't be the leader like i'll just no i think it's just the whole thing that you i mean it doesn't explain why we still have a dagger or dogger in our roster but Mm -hmm. it's just their way for explaining that oh yeah reagan's gonna stay with us and be in the story from now continuing on and Dogger is taking over for her. Maybe eventually she'll become a villain, but I doubt it. I mean, with not not technically dead, uh, D- Dogger is going to be the ruler of Jotunheim. Uh, but she is, Dogger is still technically a princess, whereas Regan, we're still calling her Princess Regan, but is technically queen of Nidvalir. And Dogger is going to be her viceroy or regent while she's off, you know, getting experience to be a ruler mm-hmm. or whatever with us. It's, it, it's, it's ex- explaining why Regan's still going to be in the story. Right. Essentially. As opposed to just they're randomly with us or they're not dying even though they were supposed to die uh, four, three, four years ago. Well, I think it was a all in all, it was a solid ending. And of course, this signals that we'll be getting book six launching in probably two weeks ish. I believe. Let me check. We should expect book six to launch on the sixth. Awesome. Well, that's good timing because we got confirmation from the calendar. It's not in this week's one. Uh, We got confirmation in the calendar that November or December 6th is a new Heroes banner, not a special Heroes banner, as we figured, because the special Heroes should be the Christmas one at the end of the month. Uh, So we have that coming up soon. Uh, But before that, on the calendar, we have a handful of other things this week as we start off with another round of double special Heroes launching tomorrow on the 23rd. 
And we also have a new round of Hall of Forms on the 24th. Heroes with Bonfire takes over as the Skills Banner on the 25th, with the 26th bringing us a new Pala and Katria Bound Hero Battle, along with a banner for it. The next Voting Gauntlet gets its login bonus on the 27th, and we round out the week with a new round of Hero's Journey on the 28th. A uh, quick note about Hero's Journey, I found out on the last one, is that you can use those special pages they're giving you to unlock um, events from previous rounds. So hmm. I ground out all the one- ones of the most recent one and unlocked a handful of events from the previous banner or previous event because I had missed that one. Nice. So Good to know. Well, let's head into the main topic this week, which is new heroes. We have new heroes and ascended legion that's the name of the banner fire emblem heroes returns to the world of Tellius for a group of heroes to accompany the latest ascended hero legion she may not have been revealed early at the end of the latest tempest trials event but she's here nonetheless to close out book five with us all now eddie before we jump into volk i i feel like this is a good time to talk about the story of the tempest trials at least the conclusion to part five and we're going to be getting yes. the final part, part six in December. Do I have that correct? Yes. Okay. They confirmed part six is the final part. will be sometime in the next update, which will be the December update. Uh, probably with the Christmas heroes, maybe with the New Year's, but probably the Christmas heroes. Yeah, that makes sense. So at the end of this Tempest Trials event, obviously we were expecting um, to see Legern's uh, Ascendant sort of uh version but if i remember correctly at the end of the tempest trials event it was it was still just regular legion and they were about to fight like they didn't actually mm-hmm. or maybe they were fighting and and fjorm was like i'm not gonna fight you and and that was sort of where I can't, it felt like it was it did not conclude but it was getting to the point yeah. where they were gonna have to fight or else they're you know fjorm was gonna was gonna die yeah and also it um it hammered home the feeling that I had when they first show, told us the prophecy that Muspel is reading it wrong. He's seeing what he wants to see, and it's not actually going to turn out the way he wants. Right. Um, I'd have to pull it up to remember the exact wording in the uh, event and the prophecy, but it kind of feels to me like this whole thing is going to save Legyarn and maybe not end how he wants, you know. Do you think they both survive? I think both Legarn and Fjorm survive. I could be misreading it myself. It could be a similar situation to what I feel Muspel's doing, where he's seeing what he wants to see, and I'm sort of seeing what I want to see, because Legarn was always one of my favorites from book two that I felt got screwed. Yeah. Because she was too loyal to a jerk of a father who Mm -hmm. didn't deserve it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we will see. It won't take long, but it's kind of funny that this is you know, going into book six. Although actually I think thinking back to um book two, she might've uh, taken the place to save Levitain, which fits for her better than being loyal to the jerk father. But it was, it was either, you know, her or Levitain and she took it on herself to save Levitain. Right. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it wraps up. Cause I feel like you're right. I, I could, I could see a scenario where they figure out how they both can survive, but, um, I think that's a possibility. I think Fjorm winning is also a likely scenario, but I like your Um, idea better. It's either Fjorm wins or they remove Fjorm from Future Story, which 
they've proven they don't really have an intention of doing. So, which I could be wrong. Maybe they'll actually do it. But maybe you never know. Yes, on the banner we start with Volk, man of mystery. Volk poses as an information gatherer, for which he is quite skilled at, but is in reality a highly paid assassin who appears in Path of Radiance, having been hired by Grail before his death to kill him if he went berserk again. Uh, he joins heroes as a Red Dagger infantry unit. He wields the Fireman's Hook, which is a reference to the code name to let him know you're looking for him in Path of Radiance. Uh, we actually get to see that in the um, Forging Bonds as well, uh, which boosts his special as well as having the Dagger 7 effect. Uh, and if he initiates the combat or is not adjacent to an ally, he gets plus 5 to the 4 combat stats. And neutralize, or he also neutralizes skills that slow his special and boosts his special generation by one per attack during combat. He has a new special called Lethality that when it triggers, it treats foes' defense and resistance as if it was reduced by 75% and disables non-special skills that reduce damage by a percentage. He also comes with Sturdy Impact, Null Follow-Up, and Time's Pulse. Uh, this guy is definitely the banner uh, character. You know, the big one on the banner besides Leg Yarn. Yeah, I was going to say, he sounds like he's got a good kit. And I think if I were to spark yep. anyone other than Legger, and this feels like he'd be a good uh, a good Definitely the one I would recommend of those. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mean, know what Astrid's like, but the other ones I had were kind of meh. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm and I'm looking at him, too, and, and I think, like, he, like, from his design... He he does have that like typical fire emblem look, but it also he does seem to have his his own look as well, similar to more of the Path of Radiance designs as well. And um, yeah, it, it works. And here's the thing: like his forging bond, I think, really establishes his character. Like you know how you sometimes get the forging bonds that are like, okay, they just they couldn't think of a way to really nail down this, this character, so they just gave them a quirky one. But I think this forging bond did a good job. I mean, sometimes the quirky ones do show off their character. Like, yes. you could say that Tannis is kind of a quirky one, but it does reveal her character. Yeah. You know, how how she thinks and acts. Just they do it in a quirky way with her meeting her bridal self. And bridal... Uh, uh, what's her boss? Um, uh, Sanaki? No, well, Sanaki's her boss boss, but the... Uh, boss boss. Head of the Holy Guard, you know, not not Sanaki, not the Apostle. I forget her name, but she, who was also in a bridal outfit and then has since joined as a... Sigrun, that's it. Sigrun, yeah. Sigrun, yes. Meets, you know, her interactions with bridal Sigrun, you know. Yeah, I like that that forging bond. It was really good. And yeah, his was... Volks was really good too. And you're right. Like, I think they've gotten a lot better with the quirky ones. I'm more thinking back to, like... What oh, was it? The Empty Plates chop. Brigade <laughs> or Chop? Oh, Chop's a better too. example. <laughs> chop and Hack, yeah. Yeah, Chop and Hack are the perfect examples. They have not gone back to that well lately, which is nice. I mean, I'll admit, based on what they showed of those characters, that kind of feels like, I mean, other than Ingrid, Ingrid was a weird one because I feel Ingrid's got more than just being a big eater. In fact, you know, her being a big eater was kind of in the background in my mind in the playthroughs. It was there, but I didn't notice it too much. But um, Chop and Hack, for those characters who participate in those things, it kind of feels like their one note in Axe Swinging is all their character development, maybe even in their main game. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I think Volk's really cool. He's got a good forging bond, and I mean, if you're looking for yeah. more information on him, definitely check that one out. Yes. Uh, uh, now on to Ira, or I mean, Larcy, or, I'm sorry, Astrid. Yes, we'll come back to that note, because I have a feeling you're you're in, you're saying these characters are very similar. Um, Astrid. Well, just they look identical, you know. They do, they do. Uh, Astrid, resoluted damsel. Astrid is a young noblewoman who was born into uh, Begnion's house Darniel. Though she comes uh, from a well-to-do background, she's no shrinking violet. She's a talented soldier who fights on the vanguard as a bow knight. Astrid is a green bow cavalry wielding unit, uh, or a cavalry unit wielding Darniel bow. Effective against flying foes, grants speed plus three. If a rally assist skill is used by unit, grants target uh, bonus doubler, and target can move one extra space. That turn only, and does not stack. No effect on cavalry allies with range equal to two. At start of combat, if unit's HP is greater than or equal to 25%, grants attack slash speed plus six to unit during combat. She has a new skill in the A slot called speed slash defense bond four, where if unit is adjacent to an ally, grants speed slash defense plus seven to unit, and neutralizes penalties to speed slash defense during combat. Rounding out her kit is rally attack slash defense plus as an assist, an attack slash defense ruse three in the B slot. Uh, before we get into her her looks, um, Serene's Forest did mess up in his resolute damsel, and the bow is the Damiel bow, not Damiel. Darniel. Oh, you know I'm reading just it. like her house Damiel, but that's that's my bad. I'm looking at the notes, and I'm just I think like I've been looking at a computer screen for too long, so that I'm, I'm my mind's like. Oh, that's I, a... I understand. Sometimes M's look like RNs together. So yeah, yeah, that's my bad. But you're right. Like uh, it is resolute damsel. Um, and yeah, uh, I, look, I looked it up on Game Press while you were starting to go through the thing. I'm like, resoluted seems weird, and I, you know, <laughs> Serene's Forest did show resoluted as well. So I went to Game Press and double checked it, and yeah, it is resolute. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I think this is the character where uh, a couple of characters on this banner have that like typical Fire Emblem soldier look. You know, the um, they have the colored outfit underneath their armor, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's fine. It's an adaptation of the uh, I think previous to Awakening a lot of the characters had like a similar look and feel. And it makes sense, you know, being part of an army, yeah. being part of a, a mercenaries group, but awakening onward, they really gave all the characters unique looks, you know, uh, look and feel. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I made the joke about her being Ira or, uh, Larcy, which are, you know, mother daughter, uh, cause she looks very, very similar. And I thought she was one of them when she first appeared. Uh, she does ha- technically have different eye color when I pull them up and look at them in the um, game, but she looks very similar to them. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, she's from the game. She she uh, that's I'm sure yeah. they adapted her as well as they could. But I think uh, you know even Marcia, our next hero, again like has that same like Pegasus flyer look. Although now that I look a little closer, she actually has wings, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Marsha, the Petulant Knight, or Petulant Knight, uh, Pegasus Knight of Benyon, who deserted to find her brother when he got himself in severe debt. 
uh, joins as a blue Lance Flyer unit. She wields the Unbound Lance Plus, which uh, when she is not adjacent to an ally, it debuffs her foes by five to their attack and defense and neutralizes any bonuses to those two stats as well during combat. She has no new skills, but does come with Luna, Fury, and Speed Defense Cap. And she does deep buff, not deep biff, as I typed. <laughs> Which ones of these characters are available as four stars on the banner? Is I there one? I believe uh, she is the four star unit on the banner. I have to double check. I think she might um, be as well. Yes, she is the four star focus on the banner, Marsha. Okay, Marsha. So. Uh, as I was saying earlier, like I think that you know, again, you look at her art and it's like, okay, very typical Pegasus Knight look. But then you kind of like look at her attack art and I, she does have some unique flair in terms of having like little wings on her, on, on the back yes. of her shoulders, little wings on her, mm-hmm. uh, Lance. Sort, sort of see them in her, uh, you know, standard pose or whatever, but it's, you know, I'm sure more noticeable in her attack pose. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she's, again, I like when they look for little flourishes like that and they can kind of like edit them a bit. Cause I know that when you're bringing a character, the further you go back and Fire Emblem, you know, releases, you have to do more work to adapt them to this current medium. I get that. And I think, like, the GameCube games, the DS games and previous, like, you do have to do a, a bit of that work. And sometimes it, it is, like, not a not a carbon copy. There's obviously work done. Absolutely. I'm not arguing that. But I think I like when they add these little flourishes to kind of differentiate yeah. the characters. I noticed on her special attack, even her Lance has wings. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, again, it's little touches like that 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 go a long way. And uh, yeah, um, but let's uh, let's talk about the obviously the 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 title of the banner coming from Ascendant Legurn. You've got Legurn Flame Ascendant. Legurn is making her grand appearance as an ascended hero, a princess, and a proud warrior of the Kingdom of Flame. She inherited the power of the god Moosebell to become his champion. Ascended Langurin is a colorless bow cavalry unit wielding the flame of Muspel. Accelerates special trigger, cooldown charge minus one. Effective against flying units, uh, foes rather. If bonus is active on unit, grants attack slash speed plus six and attack slash speed slash defense slash resistance during combat. Equal to 50% of total bonuses on unit and foe. Max is plus 12. And also if total bonuses on unit and foe is greater than or equal to 10, neutralizes effects that prevent units' follow-up attacks. She has a new skill in the C-slot called Rouse Attack Slash Speed 4, where at start of turn, if unit is not adjacent to an ally, grants Attack Slash Speed plus 6, and Null Panic to unit for one turn. Rounding out her kit is Moonbow as a special, Swift Sparrow 3 in the A-slot, and A Slash D Far Trace 3 in the B-slot. So of course this is the hero that everyone's going for on this banner. She is the title hero and uh, she is our second ascended hero to arrive in the game. Um, it's hard to say if we'll get another one so quickly. I mean, we were even thinking that it uh, was unlikely to get one this month. Um, we were thinking they'd wait till January to kind of spread them out. But like, do you feel like this is a, a hero variation that we're going to get, you know, once a, once in a while? Like, Or is this like you get two and then the, we wait for the story to sort of dictate when we get the next one? Um, I'm wondering if this, and we don't know how it's done, but I'm wondering if this whole story-based, uh, 
Tempest Trial thing, this like continuing story-based Tempest Trial thing, is going to become a permanent thing. And maybe we'll start getting additional uh, extended stories, and maybe and we'll get ascended heroes from there. Uh, but I could also see them picking random heroes to label them as ascended, uh, you know. Uh, but I think most likely we will have story dictated ascended heroes, and maybe uh, hope maybe they'll eventually drift away from it only being uh, OC heroes. But then again. It might be nice to have it be OC heroes. Give, uh, you know, Sharena and Alphonse a new uh, get up. That's not a, you know, holiday hero. Yeah, I mean, the other side of it could be. um, I know how they introduce legendary heroes with the beginning of a book, uh, book two. They introduce mythic heroes. I I think in a similar fashion. Um, I could be misremembering that, but um, the last two heroes have certainly been mythics i know reagan was a mythic i think from air on it's been mythics yeah so i wonder if like by that logic like what if this is them backdoor introducing ascended heroes as like the next variation i know i don't think the ascended heroes are technically more powerful than mythic heroes like they seem to be like something in between legendary and mythic i'm not a stats driven player but i mean they've with this event, they've kind of thrown out what legendary and mythic mean. Because you have two gods of this world who are just normal heroes. Mm-hmm. But they still have the ability to grant their power to other normal heroes and turn them into ascended heroes. You know, because Niffel and Muspel are considered gods of Zenith, uh, the world in which this, you know, heroes technically takes place. And yet they're just normal units in the regular pool. You know, they're not legendary. They're not mythic. They're just base units. And now we have Fjorm and Legarn, who, with the Floret thing, are technically more powerful than Niffle and Muspel. Mm-hmm. Because they have double boons instead of a boon and a bane only. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. So it's hard to see what they're going to do with it. Um We'll see what they decide to do with it, but as for predicting what they're going to do with it, that's out the window because <laughs> that's they impossible. Made Niffle and Muspel just basic characters instead of, I mean, and I've been asking for that. Make some OC characters that aren't legendary or mythic only, like you did with Surtur and uh, what's his name, uh, Crazy Green Axe guy, Hellbendy. Um, yes, Hellbendy. Yeah, I make, think make some that are just normal add-ins yeah i think there's a lot of opportunity here and i i I don't see them dropping it in the sense that they do these two heroes and never come back to it because they did introduce a whole new system alongside it right so oh yeah they're definitely not going to drop ascended heroes how we're going to get them in the future is up for debate whether they're going to continue with the multi-month story-based tempest trials or if it's just going to be oh here's a ascended crom yeah you know uh naga blessed him and now he has you know an axe instead of a sword or uh you know his falchion is super powered on top of it or whatever you know i think there's a lot of opportunity and hopefully they they do well with it but uh let's talk about um tanith the not on the banner but in the pool character 
Yes. Uh, as also another three four star unit on this banner is Tanith. Uh, Tanith Brightblade. Tanith escapes the confines of the special uh, only units on this banner as the add-on to the three three four star unit. Uh, so uh, second in command of the Benyon Holy Guard. She is a harsh taskmaster and returns to heroes as a red sword flyer. She wields the steadfast sword plus, which gives her an attack de- which gives her attack defense. Plus five and neutralizes penalties to her attack defense during combat. Um, I think there was a caveat to when that triggers. Let me pull it up. Uh, she has to be within two spaces of an ally for that to trigger. Sorry, I forgot that when I was writing it up earlier. Um, as a three to four star unit, she does not come with any new skills, but does come with ardent sacrifice, sturdy blow, and flyer formation. Yeah, uh, it's good that you mentioned, yeah, this character is escaping the Special Heroes Only Club. Uh, that's sort of the focus of her, or uh, part of the Forging Bond. Um, I think that's her Forging Bond, but then the overarching Forging Bond is sort of her looking for her notebook. Or is that Volk's Forging Bond? I am I might be kind of mixing uh, them all together. No, the overall uh, Forging Bond story is she was training... Um... Marsha uh, dropped her notebook and hires Volk to find it for her. Right. So there's a twist there with 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 the note. I don't. I wouldn't even call it a twist. It's her like she feels like she has to get this notebook to protect her character. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone would really uh, bat an mm-hmm. eyelash if they if they knew it was in the notebook. And um, but it is yeah, a. I haven't reached the end of the main story, so I don't know if they reveal what's in it. They but, do. You know. Uh, they do, and and again, I don't think it's anything that she should be. Uh, she should really be worried. Yeah, about. but I mean, if you look at her and the thing she displays, as is kind of emphasized by the way she reacts when she sees uh, Bridal Tanith. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, you know, if you look at the way she reacts to that, I mean, whatever's in there, I could see her being, you know, worried about it more than she should be. Yes, of course. And it fits with her character. I'm not saying it doesn't fit her character. It fits her character. It fits within the typical, like, not typical, but um, the sort of uh, um, Fire Emblem hero uh, storylines. Like, it fits really well with that. And uh, I thought it was a nice, it was a, this was a very solid forging bond. Um, And I I almost rely on them too heavily because this next hero that we're going to talk about, the Grand Hero Battle, I completely forgot about. I think he shows up in the story chapter very briefly. Yes, um, I believe he might be the first uh, hero or non... He might be one of the first ones you encounter. Yeah. But he does show up in the story. Yeah. So you have uh, Bertram, the Dread Cavalier. This is the Grand Hero Battle unit available now for a few more days. One of the four riders of Dain, who may not be who he appears to be, joins heroes as the Grand Hero Battle unit of this banner and a Red Sword Cavalry unit. He wields the Instant Sword Plus, which grants him attack slash defense plus four, and prevents his foe from making a follow-up attack. As a Grand Hero Battle unit, he has no new skills, but does come with Ignis as a special, Dull Close 3 in the B slot, and Rouse attack slash defense 3 in the C slot. Um... You know, I got a a strong vibe of this character being in line with like the rest of the fallen heroes, sort of that purple hue. Yeah. Yep, which um, you know, uh, I guess spoiler for a old game that's hard to access. Uh, he's actually uh, the a 
Crimean royal, uh, which I believe Crimea is the country Ike comes from, who was brainwashed by Dane or uh, Ashnard. So his real name is actually Renning. Uh, I found that out when I was looking for Bertram in the Fire Emblem wiki, and only Renning showed up as a option. <laughs> right, well, spoiler alert. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, there you so go. he's actually, you know, someone else who was brainwashed, and I think he returns as his normal self in the second game. So that's kind of why he has the fallen flames around him, because he's a good guy who was, you know, turned into a bad guy by some other means. Right. Um, yeah, it's just it seemed like from a Grand Hero Battle unit, he was, uh, because you already have a hero falling off the banner, you have yet another hero that you kind of have to try to introduce. And I and I, I did completely forget that they had added uh, him into the yep. game, but he is there. Yep, they've been doing that for a number of months lately because pretty much every new hero's banner for the past five, six months has had an extra character added on. Uh, I think the pirate banner was the last time we didn't because um, they didn't give us uh, Niffle or Muspel, but uh, Surtur was the boss there, and he was part of the special banner. Been a lot, lot of spare characters thrown in randomly through different methods, like they've been trying them out and seeing which one they like best. Yeah, I hey, I'm all for more units being added to the game, and I think uh, I've had several conversations with folks of like, oh, that game's still going, and yeah, they find ways. I'll admit, the biggest complaint we've had about all the OCs getting mythic and legendary banner treatments is the fact that it prevents, you know, a a classic character from getting that spot. So them adding the extra characters through various different methods is nice to keep the number of characters they're adding in from the old games uh, equal. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the game handles its growing hero catalog going forward because, um, yeah, they're adding, what, four or five new heroes every week, every month, rather. Yeah, and they've been doing that for a while, but now and they're continuing to do it instead of uh, increasing it like they did a couple years ago when they started adding three to four star characters, which turned into the four star focus unit because uh, they were phasing out the four or five star units. And um, another benefit is they were able to uh, beat the um, redheaded stepchild some more in that, uh, what's his name? Oh, wow, I'm mistreating him too. Uh, I think it starts with an I, but I'm probably uh, the archer, who's the only uh, three houses hero who has not, or student, who has not um, gotten a version in-game. Ignatz. Yes, Ignatz. Yeah. Yes, beating Ignatz down a little more. Well, you know, because he was about to be joined by uh, Baltus, but nope, Baltus got a free bonus, free add-on through quests. Well, I don't think they were going to split up the Ashen Wolves. I I don't think they'd do that. Oh, I I understand that too, and but it's just kind of like you know, oh well, you know, and they could have not split him up by making Baltus the uh, GHP, but nope, they hit him in as a free add-on for. You know, use or for Ashen Wolves joining or whatever. Yeah, and that that way they kept Ignatz down. <laughs> well, he'll get his due. Twenty twenty two. That's his year. I think that's that is certainly the case. Um, and uh, speaking of twenty twenty two, we've got some plans for Game Club. And Eddie, we wanted to run through before we exit the show. Run through what we're doing for Extra Life. 
Uh, yes, Extra Life is going on, as Ryan mentioned. Um, he is, uh, I'm not actually, don't have a page, but he does have one. And if you uh, donate to him, uh, every $10 you donate, you get a vote for what game we do next. And uh, since it's every $10, you can stack. Uh, and as a special bonus, if so, uh, we get over $200 in donations for Summoner's Call, we will also do a game club of Tokyo Mirage Sessions. That's right. Yeah, definitely go to bit.ly slash Extra Life Ryan. Donate. You have until the end of December. So if you're holding on to your donation to see if other what other games people are choosing, you still got time. And uh, we'll take those donations right up until the end of the month. And as a special bonus, if you vote, you will ha- be your game will be 100% in the lead right now. That's true. You, you could get it started and, uh, you know, get that, uh, get your favorite game running and all the details, rules, regulations, and obviously contact us if you have any questions. All that information is in your podcatcher as you listen to this in the show notes. So definitely check that out. And uh, I would be remiss to mention um, we are also doing our special discussions for Fire Emblem Warriors. feels like it's been a while, but next week we're going to be talking about the fates chapters so looking at chapters 6 to 13 and all the fates characters the dlc and yes we're going to throw Celica in for fun because she doesn't really fit into our the way we've kind of split the game up so um next week we'll be discussing uh fire emblem warriors so i gotta get back into that game i've been really enjoying it so hopefully everyone is at home as well all right let us head into the end of the show uh thank you so much for listening everybody you can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com slash fay. Email the show, fay at gamersinpodcast.com. You can check out the Fire Emblem channel and the Gamers In Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at rmurphy, Eddie at Dralfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers In for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforest.net, our go-to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. It's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week, and happy summoning. <laughs>